Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilcha the laws of ritual slaughter, including within it the laws of trefos, of what is not fit to eat for a Jew. And <coughs> we began way back. Well, let's begin with the fact that today we're studying Pedic Shi'i, chapter 9. And we began way back by giving a list of eight forms of trefa, which were taught halacha lemoshe misinai by God to Moshe, by Moshe to the Jewish people on Mount Sinai. Eight factors which bring about the non-kosher condition of an animal because it will probably not survive very long. And we already covered Drusa, when the animal was attacked, like a lion attacking a cow. Nikuva, all types of puncture wounds. Chaseda, a vital organ or limb missing. Nitula, a vital organ or limb severed. And now we get to number five, as we say here in Southern California, Cinco. This is Cinco de Bahama. Psuka. Psuka means literally severed. Chapter 9, Halacha 1, Psuka Ketzad. What do we mean when we talk about the term Psuka, which means severed or cut? So he begins by telling us of a very important body part, and I believe we have a diagram as well, dealing with the spinal cord. Chut hashidra, the spinal cord, where the skin that covers the stuff, call it marrow inside the spinal cord, this skin is cut. Trefa, the animal is trefa. And we've already dealt with the term trefa. It means not edible, non-kosher. Provided that the vast majority or the greater part of the circumference of this skin is cut. However, if it was cut or split lengthwise, a nikib, or it's just perforated or punctured, muteris, the animal is still considered permissible. Similarly, v'chein, and so also, im nishbira hashidra v'leinifsek hachut if the backbone was broken, the spinal cord was not split. Or another scenario, the marrow within the cord was crushed and it began to shake freely back and forth to wobble. Hail the Eirekayim, being that the skin is still whole. The animal is permissible. Bays too. What if the marrow inside the spinal cord just becomes liquefied? It decomposes. And it's poured like water. It becomes liquid. Or like melted wax. Until you see that when you try to stand the spinal cord up. It doesn't stand, it falls. 
it lost its strength, harezu treifa, then this shows that the animal is treif. If it still has some solid mass, but it still can't stand because of its heaviness, then the Rambam says we're not sure, and whenever the Rambam says we're not sure, it means it is forbidden. How far does the spinal cord extend? And here you may want to make use of this diagram. It begins behind what he calls the beans or the glands at the beginning of the neck, and we talked about this earlier, and extends until the end of the second divider. We talk about the fact that in this spinal cord there are three dividers, and you actually see that in the diagram. So, until the end of the second divider, so that you only have the third divider left, which is closer to the tail, and that is the deal with the Chut Hashedra. Now, he specifies and gives the details of these dividers. Dalit. There are three dividers in the backbone or spine of an animal. The Eluhain and they are Shlesha Atzomes, they are three bones, Dvukin Zeboze, which are attached or cleave one to another. Lemato Mechulius Shel Shidra. Below the Chulius are the circular parts or the vertebrae of the backbone. What about in a bird? How far does the spinal cord reach? Up to between the wings. But lower than these spots. We're not concerned with the part of the spinal cord that extends there. It doesn't concern us for trefa purposes. Whether it has the first scenario we began this chapter with, where the skin is cut, severed, or the marrow becomes liquefied, neither of these issues concern us at the bottom of the spinal cord. So, that is Psuka, severed. Now going back to the beginning of chapter 5. Item number 6 on the list is Krua. Krua in, in simple terms means ripped, torn. Ketzad, what do we mean? So here we go to a different part of the animal. The flesh which covers the greater part of the belly of the animal. And that's the belly part. Where the skin, if it's cut, the belly will just come out. This skin that holds the stomach. If this flesh is cut or is ripped, Trefa, the animal is considered trefa. Even though the rip or tear 
does not actually reach the belly where it's visible. Being that the majority of the thickness of the skin was ripped, a nito, or for that matter, if it was removed, trefa, the animal is considered trefa. In length, how long does this tear have to be? An animal is big. So he says, Eirach, its length is a tefach, a handbreadth. What if it was a smaller species animal? As long as the majority of skin covering the belly was ripped, it's considered ripped. Even though it doesn't have a tefach. Trefa, it's considered trefa. Because it's its majority was cut. For example, you have a, a goat or a sheep or a lamb, which is a much smaller animal, so we don't need the tefach measurement. Vov. Nikdar habosar hazeh Up to now, we talked about a straight cut. Either covering the majority of the belly or a tefach. What if it's not straight? What if it's circular? Or what if it's oblong? If it was larger than a sella, a sella is a coin, a little more than a third of a handbreadth. So the circumference of its cut would be a handbreadth. Now, if you don't know what a sella is, then hopefully you know what a date seed is. Large enough to fit. Tightly, three date seeds adjacent to each other. Then, Harezu Trefa, this animal is considered Trefa. Shim Yemosach Kerazeh Yamadal Tefach. Because if you would extend this circumference, it is a Tefach. And therefore, it is Trefa. Zayin. Next condition. Behema Shinifshita Ershola what if the skin of an animal was removed entirely? It's skinless. Whether it was torn by hand, or due to a disease manifested upon it. So you have skinless flesh. This is a condition called And this is called gluda. Nishar, that's the Hebrew term for the animal that lost its skin. However, even if the thickness of a sella's worth of skin was left in three places, one is upon the spine, and the thickness of a sella's skin on a second place, on the belly, and there's a third place, and a thickness of the cella, of a cella on the tip of the limbs, then the animal is permitted. And there's an interesting note here which I'll share from Gemara Tractate Chulun 55b, Nun Hey Omid Beis, where it mentions a tradition which maintains, and this is interesting, not that the rest isn't interesting. It's all interesting. It's fascinating. That if an animal's entire skin is removed, except for the portion of the size of a cella, 
the animal is acceptable because, and this is the fascinating part, from this portion, the entire skin, says Rashi, will be regenerated. And that's the miracle of regeneration. Now the Talmud goes on to mention three views where this skin must remain. And being that this is an unresolved matter, very often in the Talmud a question is asked and answered. Sometimes they say, we don't know. So we don't know which view should be followed. So the Rambam rules all three views should be followed. And therefore, he says, that you need to have on the spinal cord, on the belly, and on the limbs. So you're following all three views, because maybe the halacha is one of those areas, and it will regenerate. Ushar I'm sorry. But if the width of a cell was taken from the entire spinal cord, or the belly, or from the main limbs, or the rest is there, because these are the key areas which we need, and the skin is missing in these key areas, although it's existent in all the other areas. Ali says, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to rule that this is permissible, and we know the rule is <coughs> that everything the Rambam says, he calls from other places, except when he says, I am quoting my teachers, or it appears to me, or I say, and again in the note, many authorities question the Rambam's ruling. This was another question left unresolved in the Talmud. Eight, Ches, again going back to the list enumerated in the beginning of chapter 5. Item number seven in that list, seven of eight, was nifula. Nifula means fallen. Nifula ketzad, how does fallen play out? What if an animal falls from a high place? Shegovei, <coughs> what's considered high? Asora tvachim ayoser, ten tvachim, ten handbreadths off the ground or more. And one of its organs was crushed. This is considered trefo. Define what we mean by crushed. It should be smashed and become sick. The animal should become ill because of the fall to the extent that its form and appearance have been destroyed. It just never looked the same after that fall. Even though there's no visible, there's no visible damage, it's not perforated, <clears throat> it's not cracked, it's not broken. Still, because the animal fell hard and crushed a particular area, it is trepa. Along the same lines, if the animal was hit with a stone, a bimata, or with a staff, and one of its organs crushed, and that's the key, crushed, then the animal is considered trefa. 
Be'eza e'vorim amru, what limbs are we talking about? Be'evorim she'bechalal haguf, to those limbs talked about earlier, those existent in the inner cavity. Therefore, all of the organs of the inner cavity must be inspected. And he brings down here that the Ramos says that nowadays we're not proficient at these in inspections, so the litmus test we should use is, can the animal get up and walk? If the animal can get up and walk, let's not worry too much about it. If an animal falls off the roof, so the litmus test is im if it gets up and walks. Don't worry about it. If it stood up but does not walk, worry about it. However, if an animal jumped off the roof, don't worry about it because the instinct of an animal, the animal knows what it's doing. He has a healthy instinct. You know, I, I, I'm recalling a, a story of my adolescence when I was 17 years old. By the way, that's when I knew everything. When I was 17, I knew everything. It's been downhill ever since. But when I was 17 years old, I studied at the Chabad Yeshiva in France, in Brunois, outside of Paris. Now, I come from New Jersey. We have our own problems in New Jersey, but we didn't have cats walking all over the house. But there, there were cats all over the place. I asked them, why do I have so many cats? They said, to get rid of the mice. I said, so why don't we get something to get rid of the cats? Anyway. So you walk into your room, and the cat is there. And the cat gets a little scared, so it jumps out the window. Now, I was on the second floor. The cat jumps out the window on a regular basis, lands, and walks away. Because it was a cool cat. Okay, so an animal jumps from a high place, it knows what it's doing. That was just to wake everybody up, okay? What if you left the animal up high and he found it down below? Don't worry about it, it didn't fall. Animals are not big fallers, they're bigger jumpers. Nine, what about the fact that you have bulls or rams, other animals? where they gore each other, they butt each other. Should we worry every time we see bulls goring each other that the animal is going to become hurt and treif? Don't worry about it. That's what they do. For them, it's just recess time. They're playing. However, if an animal falls, start worrying. So also, if we see an animal dragging its feet, don't worry lest the organs were crushed or the backbone was severed because it's okay. Now comes an interesting scenario. 11. Thieves are very big into stealing lambs. From lambs they make lamb chops. So the thieves were stealing lambs. They get the lamb, and then they throw it into a pile outside the corral. So should we be concerned that the lamb that was thrown was hurt? 
Don't worry about it. It's not going to crush its organs. Why is that? Because the thieves, they know what they're doing. They're union thieves. They went to thief school. They are throwing it in a very intentional way. That nothing should be broken. What good will it do to the thief to have a broken lamb? However, if, I guess they heard the sirens, and they're throwing them back, back into the pen, there I would worry, because they're not worried about maintaining them in a healthy state, they're worried about the police not catching them. What if they're putting them back because somebody motivated them to repent? Somebody came to the thieves and said, you've got to change your evil ways. Where's less when I need them? Don't worry about it. Because when somebody repents, he wants to return them whole. He's going to be very careful how he casts these lambs. Yud base 12. There are various forms of positions to place an animal when you're going to shecht it. One of them is they lay down the animal. An animal that is pushed down in order to prepare it for shechita. Now, you ever try and push down an ox? So the first thing I'm going to tell you is don't. Even though it fell a big fall, when it hits the ground, it makes a boom. Don't worry about it. Because the ox grinds its hoofs, the nails of its hoofs, into the ground of its chazik, and it supports itself, until it reaches the ground. By the way, I want to share with you that when I was a yeshiva student about to be ordained at the Rabbinical College of Canada in Montreal, we were learning these laws, <clears throat> and so they took us on a field trip. We went to the local slaughterhouse, and I've shared this with uh, my students in the past but never in the Rambam class. So they took us, I don't know, there were 10, 12 of us, to a field trip to the local slaughterhouse. Now, I had never been to a slaughterhouse, so, you know, when you learn in the books about certain animal parts, you know, it's nice in the books, and then you see it, you say, oh, that's what a lung looks like. <laughs> I didn't know, that's what a cow looks like, wow. You know, because the only cow I knew was Elsie from the milk cartons in Newark when I was a kid. So, we're walking along this very busy slaughterhouse just outside of Montreal, and all of a sudden, this deafening sound, everybody going like that, and I don't know what's going on. I don't think there were earthquakes there, so what's going on? Suddenly, somebody grabs me by the collar, lifts me up, and puts me on top of a, like a, a foundation of a conveyor belt. I said, what happened? They said, look. And suddenly you see an ox running full speed. An ox got away. So that's the sign. They go, woo, they grab you, they put you up there. And thank God the ox did not get me. That's why I'm here today to study chapter 9. Okay. Now I know what that sound means, by the way. <sighs> I think it's easy to become a rabbi. Yud Gimel 13, what if somebody hits the animal on its head? There's various interpretations, but let's take one of them. And the hit 
the blow extended to the tail as well, using, this interpretation says, a long rod, so that the pressure of this blow was spread along the space of the rod. If it began on the tail, the whole operation went almost to the head. Even if it went the length of the spinal cord, don't worry about it, because the pressure is spread. And there's not one area that was hit hard. However, if this rod has bumpy areas and rings, then you worry. Because that bumpy area or that ring can really cause damage. <coughs> but if the top of the staff reached a portion of the backbone, so all the pressure is at the top, then you worry. So also, if the blow came to the width of the backbone instead of the length, again, it's just a question of spreading the weight of the pressure in a longer area, then it's less harmful. Yudalid 14. What if a bird was knocked against something hard? Kigain, for example, Kri Shochitim, a heap of grain, a kupa shoshkedim or a mound of almonds, or kayetzabam or similar. You should worry about crushed organs. But if it was knocked against something soft and pliable, like a folded garment, or straw, or ashes, don't worry. What if in a hunting situation the wings became glued together? And then it got a blow if it was glued on one wing don't worry but if two wings and then it received a blow you should worry because the bird presumably can navigate with one wing but it can't navigate without any wings what if it was knocked against the water and you don't know if it's okay or not. If it's swimming the length of its full height up river, upstream, then don't worry about it. Anything that can swim against the current is healthy. My father, a blessed memory, always taught we should always be leaders and not followers. We should always be trendsetters. A healthy salmon, he would say, swims upstream. Even a dead salmon can swim downstream. So be a healthy salmon and create the trend. But if it's following the current, then you worry the fact that it's swimming in the current means absolutely nothing. Shema. Maybe the water, the current, is leading it. However, if you see other stuff, like straw or hay floating, and it is going faster than the other stuff, that's proof positive that it's swimming on its own. The fact that it hit the water, let's not worry about 
Now the Rambam, who's known for definitions in his orderly manner, says, what do we mean when we say don't worry? What does Ein What does it mean? Does it mean we don't have to take Prozac? What is the application of don't worry? So he says the application is You may go immediately, call the Shoichet and slaughter it. When it's Libdik, you don't have to check. Perhaps an organ was crushed. That's what it means. And the natural inclination is to slaughter it as soon as possible. Whenever we say worry, if it was slaughtered, if it was shechted, you have to inspect the entire internal area, the internal organs from head to thigh. If you found a problem enumerated above, or one of the inner organs was crushed and it doesn't look as it should, that is a trepa, then it's a trepa. However, if one of the organs where we learned earlier, if they were removed, are kosher, to gain, for example, which organs did we learn if they removed are kosher? This is a test. Anybody? I'm oh, just kidding. To gain like the spleen, ochloyas, and the kidneys, this is considered trepa. The only exception is the womb area, the uterus, where if it's injured or crushed, the animal is still permitted, but in the case of the spleen or the kidneys, the animal is treif, even though we learned, if you removed it, it's kosher. What about the windpipe and the gullet, or the trachea and the esophagus, as we call it, they do not need to be inspected. Those are the two areas that the shochet has to cut through in order to have a kosher shechita. Because falling never hurts those two simonim. What if an animal falls off the roof? And it never stood up. You have to give it 24 hours to recover. And that's the litmus test. And if he went hastily and slaughtered it within the 24-hour period, this is considered not good. When he shechts it, when he slaughters it, after 24 hours, it needs inspection, as we explained. If somebody steps, trods on a bird, on a fowl, with his feet, a or an animal trampled this bird, a or it was crushed against a wall, and it's dying, it's in its death throes. you must wait 24 hours to see if it can survive. Then and only then can you slaughter it to after. Thoroughly checking it as above. Chaf Aleph, the closing portion of chapter 9. Simonim When the greater part of the esophagus and the trachea were separated and they're just hanging, the animal is called trachea. Even if it has nothing to do with falling, it just happened. So also, 
if they become folded over, which is not their normal state, because they're no longer fit for shkita. However, if the greater part of the top area was set loose from the jawbone, this is permissible because, as we learned earlier, at great length, because that area of the tarbets near the jawbone is not at all fit for shkita, for ritual slaughter. You have to slaughter lower than that. End of chapter 9.